0: Some roles, you just need that steady person who is good at their job, works hard, keeps their head down, keeps a positive culture and environment in the workplace. So really focus on having an A team versus focusing on making sure everyone is an A player.
1: Hello there and welcome to the My Future Business Show. It's great to be back with you. If this is your first time on the show, welcome. And if you have been supporting the My Future Business Show for any length of time, thank you very much for your support and for your feedback. It's wonderful knowing how much the the show is making a difference for you. Now on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming founder and CEO of Lateral Solutions, Mr. John Basford. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Thank you very much, glad to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, pleasure to have you here. Now, you and I, we're gonna be talking about operational mistakes new business owners tend to make and how technology and the gig economy can leverage those resources to run efficient and effective internal operations. Now, there is certainly a lot there to unpack, John, but uh, before we jump into the core of the call, tell us where you're calling in from today. So I am uh,
0: calling in from Kensington, Maryland, which is just right outside the DC Beltway.
1: Yes, fantastic, has that been home for a long time? So I, I've been in the D.C. metro area for about
0: 12 years. I was in Baltimore for a little bit before that, uh, but I was born and raised in central
1: Illinois. Well, fantastic. Now, tell me a little bit about life growing up. Can you remember? Uh,
0: I think so. I, I don't think I'm that old where I <laughs> No, <go>. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a uh, small uh, factory farm town, uh, about 65 70,000 people when I grew up. Now it's about 55,000. Uh, but uh, you know, typical uh, Midwest upbringing what brought me out here to the East Coast was I, I came to to DC on a family vacation in high school and fell in love with it. Uh, so I'm gonna move there one day, I ended up spending a semester here in college. Yep, I uh, fell more in love with it and uh. Uh, after uh, law school, I got a job offer in Baltimore. I said that's close out to D.C. for now and then uh, worked my way down here.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And I think this is what uh, sets the My Future Business Show apart from many other podcasts is that I take the time to learn a little bit about you, John. So tell us what else about uh, growing up that you can really remember. Were there any, um, I guess, uh, influential people in your life during those formative years?
0: Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think throughout my uh, childhood and, and early adulthood, I've, I think I've always had a number of different people who influenced me. I, I wouldn't say you know I had that one kind of pinnacle role model across all aspects of my life, but certainly um, have taken um, you know different aspects from from numerous people, uh, from you know my home life to society to to education, et cetera, and just really I'd say just took a little bit from every person that I've interacted with and has been in my life and has really helped me grow and succeed.
1: So, as a busy individual, do you get much time to have any downtime for yourself? And if you do, what sort of things do you like doing? Do you have any hobbies or things like that?
0: I do. Uh, so, uh, 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 whenever I'm asked something about unique about myself, uh, so my my coin phrase is always uh, that I'm a powerlifting hockey player who loves Broadway musicals. Wow! Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I weight I weightlift about uh, about ten hours a week, uh, and and uh, play hockey once a week, and then. My wife and I both uh, enjoy going to the theater, so we try to do that as much as possible as well.
1: Yeah, wow, I love theater. Now tell me a little bit about um, getting into the zone when weightlifting. Do you ever have mornings where you wake up and you go, I really can't be bothered doing this, and what do you do in terms of resetting your mindset to get into it?
0: Sure, so so I actually kind of split my week. Uh, Half the week I I work out in the afternoons, half the week I work out in the mornings. Uh, So it's one of those things where, you know, morning lifting for me is is can be a struggle i, I am not a morning person
1: <laughs> neither am i <laughs> but,
0: but, but it's something that natural happens with me once i get in the gym uh i am someone who like the endorphins rush in and and i i get that natural high uh so once i'm in the gym it, 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 it's game on
1: you're into it now it leads to the obvious question about diet and nutrition tell us how you look after yourself in terms of uh, your daily intake
0: sure so uh, you know, i i try to keep a fairly lean diet uh, especially throughout the week uh, do you use supplements etc try to keep a fairly high protein diet low carbs low fat uh, I will admit that I'm not I, I probably take a little more time on the weekends to, to splurge and, <laughs> and enjoy what I'm eating so uh, but, uh, but you know I, I do try to keep a, a pretty pretty healthy diet throughout the week
1: yeah, great feedback. Thank you so very much. Now I know that you enjoy the theatre. Uh, I guess if if it's not theatre, is there any time for movies in your world?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I love movies. Uh, you know, I've subscribed to most of the movie channels and uh, you know Amazon, all those type of things as well. Uh, and and my wife and I and, and my son as well, uh, we love going to the movies as well.
1: Hey, given you know when we're growing up, many of us have pets. Did you ever have a pet when you growing up?
0: Um, a little bit here and there yeah, growing yeah, yeah. up. Uh, But the interesting thing right now is that my wife watches dogs professionally. So although we don't have any pets, we tend to have dogs in our house anywhere between two and three weeks out of every month uh, and a variety of different dogs. So we we get our fair share of, of pets that way.
1: It seems to be a good idea because we have three Rottweilers and it's like, the, you know, when you become grandparents, it's great to give the children back. I wonder if it's the same thing with dogs.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, have, we have our favorites. Actually, one of our favorites is, is leaving our house right now as we speak. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's really kind of interesting to see the different personalities and, and what you like and dislike about a dog. And uh, we're hoping to, to get one ourselves here in the next year or two. Yep. Uh, but uh, for now, we're, we're enjoying the dogs that come and go.
1: You're clearly a person who loves entertainment and going out and about. Do you like to go and listen to music and be in sort of that social environment? Is that something you enjoy?
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, So in the United States, my favorite music town is Austin. Uh, I don't go there a whole lot. Uh, my wife and I are actually headed to uh, Nashville uh, here in two weeks uh, for a uh, training conference for myself. And and I'm bringing her along because she's never been to Nashville. But we will absolutely be out listening to live music when we go.
1: You know what? You know you're traveling around a lot. You're doing speaking, which I love to talk to you about later on. But in all of this, as as a human being, as somebody who may enjoy this, do you give yourself permission to have downtime?
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, I think a lot of times my downtime is is usually spent, you know, kind of vegging out from the TV, just relaxing, not thinking about work, not thinking about life. Um, I also do take time to to meditate. Uh, yep. I try to do it twice a day, uh, so that although it's a little different, you know, kind of downtime, uh, but it really is a, a great time to just, you know, become present, center myself, and 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 let the the worries and and struggles of of entrepreneurial life uh, kind of fade away, and 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 just enjoy the moment.
1: Well, it's a good segue that you mentioned entrepreneurial life because I remember washing cars was one of my first entrepreneur, entrepreneurial exposures. What do you what do you recall about yours? You know.
0: I'm not quite sure on that, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I'm not. I, someone who who went to law school, I'm not sure that the entrepreneurial life was was really something that I had in in my Plank. forecast yeah. uh, throughout early years and in college. Uh, but it really has served me well, and I, I think one of the first instances where I really had it set in my mind that I I wanted to be an entrepreneur from a, a consultant aspect was I, I was working for an organization. I've been trying to get the CEO to, to, to do something that I, I thought was right for the organization. And it just it kept falling on deaf ears, <laughs> deaf ears. Yep. Then we, we hired a consultant who told him exactly what I've been telling him for months and he followed their advice. I'm like, that's what I need to be doing. Um, and so that actually was my first kind of inkling into, you know, I need to step out of W2 life and, and be on my own and be a consultant and, yep. and kind of have that, that expertise, kind of helmet on my head.
1: John, that's great feedback. Thank you so very much. Now, I think it's a great, uh, I guess, again, segue into learning a little bit about your former, I guess, educational background and professional background. Would you mind sharing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, I went to uh, a a small division three school um, in my hometown, Uh, majored in philosophy with a minor in political science. Uh, As I mentioned before, I, I did spend a semester in DC I actually did a, a, a class in Paris as well for a few weeks. Uh, so I definitely took advantage of a lot of opportunities that came my way uh, throughout my education. Um, after undergrad, I did immediately go into law school uh, yeah. where I graduated from there. Um, and then uh, from there, again, I, I mentioned before, I, I moved up to Baltimore. Uh, I ended up go- going on from there and, and getting my MBA a couple of years later. But my career actually started in the nonprofit association world. Oh. Uh, and I am a certified association executive. Yep. Uh, but how I kind of got into working for startups and working the startup world was my second job. I was the fifth employee hired for a tech trade association that was a startup that worked with startups. So I kind of had this double immersion into the startup world. And so when I went, went out on consulting. Uh, some of my former bosses from there uh, were launching new companies and organizations. And so I helped them launch operations. So that's really how I got my start in the consulting side.
1: I mean, we're going to be talking a lot more about that in a moment, John. But I'd love to know. Given you know, I remember leaving college and thinking I've had enough of learning. Do you think that lifelong learning is important? Is it, and is it something that you embrace?
0: Absolutely. You know, I I, I probably should say that you know I've always enjoyed school. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, school has always come fairly easy to me. Yeah. Uh, one exception was law school. That was a totally different beast. <laughs> uh, but the law school certainly, you, you know, uh, was. An educational experience like none other yeah. and you know throughout my um, professionalism and in just personal life I've always continued to read to grow so I, I absolutely believe in continual uh, personal and professional development through a number of different avenues
1: do you prefer like hardback uh, paperbacks or audiobooks
0: uh, so I, I prefer paperback uh, so it's easier to to travel with yep. I, I tend to uh, you know, underline and take notes in books I read. And so the you know, pen will fit better in it. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 It's hard for me to transition to uh, the digital books.
1: And now I know a lot of people who start off with a law degree or whatever course of education you started with, John, oftentimes never lean back into it or get any value from it. Do you think that there are any elements from all of the qualifications that you have that you are still applying today?
0: Yeah. So, you know, even though I never practiced law and had that traditional law career, Mm -hmm. uh, running internal operations, uh, certainly I use my law degree on an an everyday basis, you know, whether it is dealing with legal HR issues, uh, contract review, all of those type of things. And certainly, you know, law school is, is not just about learning the law, but learning how to think like a lawyer, being able to evaluate, being able to analyze. And so, I absolutely use those skills every single day.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's important everybody knows there's certainly a lot of uh, positive testimonials that have come back that I'm reading through your uh, thinklateral.com website. That's a real credit to you. So uh, later on, we'll be sharing that information. But um, given all of the services and your experiences uh, in the business world, what's the one thing that you do personally the best?
0: Sure, you know, I would say that being a jack of all trades, master of none. Yep. And why that's important what I do is again, you know, overseeing accounting, finance, HR, legal, tech administration, culture, you know, governance, all these different aspects. I really have to know and understand a little bit, you know, maybe more than a little bit, but at least a little bit of every <laughs> single one of these areas so that I can, you know, you know, see where roadmaps may be coming ahead, be able to strategize, et cetera. So, it really is important to have a, a basic understanding of all these areas. And, and that's really uh, something that's really helped me stand out in my career.
1: It's a well rounded approach. That's for sure and certain. Now, before we um, shift gears and, and talk directly about that, I'm wondering I have a bucket list and I know that's only half filled. Have you got a bucket list and what would you like to do in your life?
0: Sure. So, let me think here. Um, There's so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Job? Yeah. Um, so, I would like to go skydiving. Uh, as oh. someone who is a little bit afraid of heights, not nice. too severe, but uh, skydiving is on my list. Uh, there are a number of places. Travel is a, a big part of, of a bucket list for me. Yep. Um, you know, going to Greece, going to Italy, Australia, South Africa, going on an African safari. Uh, my um, my next big trip I'm looking at is is going to Alaska. It's actually my mom's dream trip, oh. and I promised I would get her there. Uh, so travel is a huge, huge part. Uh, of my bucket list
1: you know dreaming a lot about these things is very important i i know that you know i take a lot away from you know the classics like zig ziglar and all those things all those people that talk about this this idea that you know if you think it it's going to start to become and manifest itself in life do you do you sort of uh, subscribe to that sort of thing
0: yeah absolutely uh you know i would say certainly on the professional and in personal development and in you, you know aspects of my life that i that i want to achieve you know when, yeah. when i am meditating I, I you know i think about the amount of money that i want to have and earn and in the different ways i could do that uh through my business and uh manifest my, my dream home my wife and i have a, a street picked out that's doing a lot of uh new construction development and we've we've kind of honed it on the street and in where we want to live and beautiful uh, so, you know that's our you know our goal is to be um you know, in the process of, of, of building a home or, or purchasing a home that's been built in the next 12 months. So yeah. I certainly you know, bring all of that into into my meditation and manifestation. And, and the secret is really to try to try to envision yourself as already being in that moment. Right. That, yeah. That's what a lot of mindfulness people teach is 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 to, to pretend you're already there um, and believe it and have those feelings. And it helps manifest those aspects.
1: That's great feedback. Thank you very much, John. Now, given your background in philosophy with your degree and all the experiences that you have, I have a two-part question for you, if you don't mind. What's your life philosophy, you know, your beliefs, concepts, and attitude towards life in general?
0: Sure. So, um, you know, that that is that is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as someone who grew up uh, in the Midwest in, yep. in, a, in a very you know, Christian biblical environment um, and someone who began to challenge that and and go went on to become a philosophy major who uh, I did my senior thesis on Nietzsche uh, and his view God is dead and what that means. Um, what, I, what I'll get to with that is one of my life philosophies is that life is all about perspectives. Yeah. Uh, there are very, very, very few truths um, as we tend to uh, translate a lot of opinions uh, that we have into being truth, right, with a capital T. yeah, uh, and that's 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 one aspect of my of my philosophy of life is is really just if we can just learn to see things as perspectives uh, and lack of truth, it, it really allows us to open up ourselves to other ideas, other opinions, and be able to relate to people a lot better than, than what we currently do. And I certainly think that throughout my my professional career career, my personal life. Uh, But that's a big aspect of of my belief system.
1: Thank you again. Now, if life is a mirror and we reflect the five people that we hang around, how important is to choose a good circle of uh, people to be around in your life?
0: No, absolutely. Uh, You know, I'd say in my life, I have some great people that fit a lot of different buckets for me. Uh, yeah. You know, I have the people who are yeah. just constant love and support, right? I think everyone needs those. But I also have those those best friends and those mentors in my life that challenge me when they hear about my crazy new entrepreneurial <laughs> endeavor. Uh, yep. They push back and, and say, you're crazy. Have you done this and that? <laughs> what, what are you thinking that's ever going to work? You yep, uh, yep. can ignore them. Uh, but but it's, it's good to have that pushback, right? So I think it's it's good to have that, that great circle of everyone who kind of cares and loves about you, but those who just, just support you no matter what, and yep. those people who still love you, but will push back as well
1: yeah you absolutely need them i I also wonder about your professional philosophy you know how you approach your work and how you help the clients that you work with approach theirs.
0: yeah sure so uh, my my background in in interoperations you know my goal is always to free up time and resources from ceos founders owner operators So they can focus on their core business so you know throughout my career and and what i help my clients with today is really about how do you create systems processes procedures utilize platform and tools so you can create the most efficient and effective operations that's really my my philosophy mindset my mindset going into helping my clients and it really you know dates back to when i was a w2 employee as well but i certainly bring that to all the clients i'm trying to help today
1: so what? Uh, wh- who is your ideal client? Is it small to medium to large organizations or all of them?
0: Yes, so probably small to medium, uh, yeah. probably, definitely more on that smaller size. And the main thing for us that that determines a good fit, you know, more than, you know, are you five, you know, a million dollar budget or five million dollar budget or 10 million dollar budget? Yeah. The thing for us is we need to work with with clients that are on a growth trajectory. Um, you know, if you're someone who's just, Says, hey, we've been in business for seven years. Things are great. Uh, we're happy where they are. You're never going to hire us. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you're just not going to. It's more that company that says, hey, we've been doing two million dollars for the past three years. We want to hit five and ten million. We know that something that we have to do to get there is a step out of this internal operation function, and we need your help to do
1: it. Yeah, I have so many um, questions lined up for you. You're a wealth of knowledge, that's for sure. And so absolutely loving this call as uh, my future business audience would be as well. But I'm really interested, uh, John, to ask you about the gig economy and what part it should play in small businesses and startups.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll actually give you a little anecdotal uh, 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 recap of a call I had earlier today. Uh, this is a, you know, a small business, you know, probably doing about half million dollars a year. And they were talking to me about needing a, a potential chief of staff, and then they were talking about needing someone to help them organize and launch their CRM system. I said, hey, you know, they, they'd used a consulting firm that, that didn't work for them, um, you know, price-wise, et cetera. I said, have you looked at Upwork? Uh, Upwork is a great tool that I use, you know, as part of the gig economy, and he said, I hadn't. Um, I uh-huh. said, well, there, there's your key, right? You can hone in on someone who specializes in that particular CRM you can set the terms of, of how you're going to pay all you know up front you know milestones whatever it might be but you really need to utilize that so you're getting your expertise you need for that one particular task without you know overspending on other areas um so that's to me where, where the gig economy really comes into play when, when you are a small organization small company and you need a particular skill set but don't need them full-time all the time but just need them for that project The gig economy is a great way to grow your business, get the expertise you need without having that part of your annual budget.
1: Yeah, I know there's certainly um, quite a lot of skill sets out there that are available. Um, Now, tell me a little bit about how much technology should play uh, as part of a startup or an existing business.
0: Yeah, you know, it's impossible to talk about operations, effectiveness and efficiency without talking about technology. Yeah, uh, you know, everything from, you know, Zapier, you know, it, it's, that's something that I got into this year with, with my own business and our marketing functions was using Zapier. And you know, when something came in this form, it got sent to our CRM, which got sent to our, our email system, which got sent to our texting system. Uh, so you know if you really want to, um, be a company that's growing and being efficient, being effective, you've got to find the right tools and technology. Now the caveat for that as I have two, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. One is a lot of companies, small companies, they get uh, caught up in some of the bigger buzz companies. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna mention any names, but they're enterprise systems. Yeah. And you know, people always ask, well, what do I think about this one or that? When I said, it's great. The great thing about that system is that it will do everything you want to do. The bad thing about that system is it will do everything you want it to do. And the problem is, is that it costs money. Lots developer time, developer work, to, to make it do exactly what you want to do. Yep. So I always do encourage smaller businesses, startups, you know, to look at the things that are more cloud-based, out of the box, um, that that don't quite have that customization aspects to it, but you can still utilize those systems. Um, I know I said there was a second point here. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, drawing a blank here. Oh, I know what it was. Um, the other aspect is companies also tend to, to chase, you know, shiny objects. Yes. Uh, And what what they end up doing is having a a spider web of connectivity of all their different software products are using because they didn't have a strategy going into it of of what do we want to accomplish? We're the best tool to do that and do these tools work together. So when they don't work together, you end up having a lot of connectivity software between your software um, and it becomes a spider web. So, you know, I always encourage people to really kind of lay out your strategy technology-wise uh, of the various things that you need and, and trying to accomplish and make sure it all works together.
1: There seems to be a very big difference between needs and wants in terms of technology um, stack. And now mm-hmm. uh, it's important that obviously people reach out to you if you want to know more about that. And we're going to be sharing your information in a little while, uh, John. Now I'm wondering, which leads on from my question about technology, is in it's to do with automation and in particular, AI. What's your perspective on these things?
0: You know, um, automation is something that I use all day, you know, every day. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer, even in the internal operations functions where I, where I really focus, you know, the accounting system, the HR systems, all of those type of things is, is having systems that really work well with one another and and, and automate the process, right? Um, yep. You know, think about HR, you know, 10 years ago, when you went and got applied to somewhere, you you filled out your W two um, on paper. You did your I nine on paper. You you filled out your health benefits by paper. You did all this by paper. Now and then they had to submit that to your to your both your your broker um, and to your payroll company. Now it's all linked together. So you fill out a few forms online. It goes to all the places. It automatically gets mapped uh, to your um, to your payroll. Uh, for any deductions that sort of thing reporting but then it also goes to your broker so again that really kind of automates the process instead of doing that that old school uh paper aspect uh when it comes to ai you know that's that's to me is a is a big buzzword today yeah i think a lot of times when we're talking about ai we're we're actually really talking about things machine learning machine intelligence that's been going on for decades long time Uh, and, and and the true ai is is I think far more advanced than what most people are really utilizing what they call AI. Uh, but it it is, it is the future, right? Uh, I know there's a lot of fear out there about AI replacing writers and all these type of things, but you know, when it really comes down to it, nothing I don't think will ever truly, uh, replace that, that, that human mind aspect of all this stuff, but it's, it, it's something that, um, you know, I, I read about it and even write about it a little bit uh, from that perspective. But uh, yep. it's it's going to be very interesting to see where AI goes.
1: It's a it's a watch this space thing, isn't it, uh, John? It, now, what are some it, of the common operational mistakes made by founders and startups of small businesses?
0: Sure. So you know, most startups and founders, I think, you know, tend to fall into one of three mistakes when they're first starting out, uh, and one of them is that they convince themselves that they know internal operations. They understand the importance of internal operations, and so they're going to handle it themselves. Yeah. And it it always falls falls to the wayside, as it should, because that founder and CEO they should be focusing on their core business, their core mission, um, and not these administrative functions. And so it is natural that it falls aside. But then what happens is your 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 internal operations doesn't you know get the attention it needs. Two other mistakes that tend to happen is they, the internal operations piece gets, gets pushed to someone very, very junior who doesn't understand all the nuances of, of internal operations. Interoperations for anyone who's smart and and well-rounded, you can figure it out. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but it takes years upon years to, to really understand all the nuances of internal operations. And so if you have that, you know, the executive assistant, that just, all the operation pieces get dumped to them without having that, that, that knowledge and that experience, things are going to be missed. Bad news. Another mistake that I see is when companies are starting out is if they don't want to do it themselves and don't want to trust a junior person, they tend to overpay. Um, an Uh-oh. example I'll get to that is an organization I came into. Uh, they literally were having their $600 an hour attorney handle the, their business insurance. So this, this attorney was you know, getting, billing $600 an hour to be the mediator between the go-between between the company and the insurance broker. The insurance broker is the one who has all the expertise in insurance, not the lawyer, Uh, but they're paying the lawyer to to, to do that in between work. So that's the other piece I really see. So it's really important that you have um, someone early on who, whether consultant or in-house person, whatever it may be, that can be a part of your organization, understand your organization, what it's doing, where it's going and helping make sure that you align your operations with, with your future
1: goals thank you for the feedback john i often hear uh from different people around the web and people that i work with they say that for your business to scale you you need to be able to delegate the things that you know you know you do perfectly how difficult is it for you when you're working with clients to help them let go of that need to do it themselves
0: so i would say that throughout my time of uh, being a consultant I, I i've had both extremes Yeah, I, i've had the clients who just trust me don't want to be in the weeds don't care to be in the weeds and like it is yours let me know when there's a problem let me know when you need me but Get it's done. all yours yeah the other side is that um the people who just won't let go of anything um and again the more people so there, there's several aspects what one is you know does the person who's who's micromanaging the operations they truly know what they're doing and two um, you're just reducing all the efficiency. Uh, and, and, and really, you need to have that person who is operationally minded, efficiency minded that can really help you make sure that the process procedures that need to be done are being done. the minute you know the CEO and founder is, is putting their finger on every single little thing, it, okay, it never goes as well as it should. No. And if you just have that person you can trust to, to launch the systems and procedures, I promise you, I promise you, your operations will be much better.
1: Let them do what they're good at and what they're there for. That's for sure and certain, John. Thank you again for uh, that feedback. Now, I think for context, John, please share with us what lateral solutions actually focuses on for their clients. I know that you have a suite of services.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, our kind of tagline is growth through operations. As I mentioned before, you know, our, our goal is really to, to to free up, you know, the, the time and, and resources from CEOs, owners, founders, and so they can focus on core business. And we do that through a number of ways. Uh, uh, I've recently made a a pivot uh, in our services. We've always done majority of these services in some way, shape or form, but just kind of package them differently. But now we're really focusing on recruitment, uh, helping organizations uh, hire operations managers uh, to lighten the load. We are also launching a a coaching mastermind program uh, where we are, providing education, training, as well as office hour support. I think that that is critical. So it's not just teaching you about accounting and legal and all these things, but you have office hour. If you can tap into myself and my team, uh, when you have direct questions, tactical questions that you need answered. Uh, and, and we actually have a link between these two, the recruitment and the, and the uh, mastermind is that anyone we, we, we place uh, for a client, that person gets enrolled in the mastermind for free so we are staying with that person helping train them support them for six months after they they step into that role to help make sure that they are a success beyond that we also do um, i do one-on-one advising with ceos and in, in, in corporations and in small businesses uh and then assessments we do assess operations and uh, uh things like business identity change capacity uh in the last piece which we still do which i mentioned before how we started which is launching operations and that can be the a situation which has happened in the past where they said hey we just incorporated in Delaware now what and we get all the other pieces all tied those, together yeah. your accounting your HR your banking your insurance all that type of stuff um, or it could be a little more ad hoc you know we want to change payroll companies we need your help we want to yeah. we want to add a, a par system we need your help so we, we those are our our core buckets of services
1: that's great feedback. Now I want to come back to recruitment in a moment, John, but I'd love to ask you, what's your experience with cross departmental oversight, and what is that?
0: Yeah, so uh, that certainly has has been a, a part of my career, both as a W two employee and um, as a consultant. Is you know, there's what, what tends to happen in, in most organizations is you know each department has a department head. Um yeah. That department head reaches up to the CEO or or the owner, and and they become siloed. Um, so it's important that you have someone that CEO role, chief of staff role, whatever it may be, that is keeping the beat of, of each and every department to make sure that they don't become so siloed, siloed that you're you're missing the pieces where they can work together. Another big factor that that happens when you have that siloed environment is you create this environment where uh, only people in this vertical can make decisions about certain aspects. When a, when a lot of times, you know, your, your marketing touches this, your your accounting touches this. And so it's great to get feedback and insights from different perspectives within the organization mm-hmm. about their functions. And, and if you're siloed and don't have that cross-departmental oversight, you know, those, those type of valuable insights and, and information get missed.
1: So when you start working with a new company and you you identify through how do you, I guess how do you identify do you do some sort of a a step in audit where you assess where they're at at the moment and given what you've just talked about in terms of silos what does that do for the culture and how do you correct it?
0: Sure. Uh, so on the aspect of of when I first start working with an organization, occasionally they'll they'll come to me and say, "Hey, we have this problem or we need this," and it's very direct. Yeah. That's Few and far between. Majority of the time, they're coming to me and saying we know this is not working correct we know there's a better way we just don't know what it is and so yes i come in i'll do an operational assessment understand where they are again sometimes it's you know the tactical operational assessments of of their hr pieces their accounting pieces but sometimes it's just getting to understand the organization the flow of the organization and saying hey look this is where you need to make some decisions uh, and to your to your question about the the siloed aspects in the culture um, that's something that, that I'm I'm very, very passionate about is, is creating a culture where people can ask why. Um, and I believe it's it's something that you know everybody, no matter where they are in the organization, no matter what level they are, should be able to ask questions, point out areas where there is inefficiency, ineffectiveness. If you really want your organization to grow, you really have to create that environment where you're you're willing to listen to a variety of different people from a variety of different perspectives. Can uh, kind I of talk about earlier about life, right? It also yeah, yeah. exists in organizations that you have to, everyone in the organization has a different perspective of why something is working and not working. And it's very vital that you create that culture that allows that, that uh, feedback and that insight no matter where they are in the organization and what level.
1: This is a wonderful call. Really enjoying it, John. Thank you so very much. Now, I just want to swing back into the recruitment question because I know that a lot of people that I work with they they wish that they could recruit first time, right time, every time, but that doesn't seem to be possible. And I know that you've dovetailed it in with your mastermind, but you know, where is the focus really needing to be for an organization who maybe has a need to do maybe seasonal recruitment?
0: Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of things that I I think people. Tend to make mistakes because recruitment. Um, yep. I, I am a big believer in, in you know, hire slow, fire quick. Um, yep. Just some regard, right? I, I don't. I, I'm not a big believer in creating this cutthroat environment where you get one chance and you're out. Uh, but but there is there is some logic behind that where you need to take your time to make sure you understand the role that you need understand the right person needed to fill that role and make sure you're finding them. So that, that aspect I agree with, you know, if people are not just, just aren't cutting it or be given a couple of chances. Yes. I do believe you gotta, you have to fire fairly quickly. Um,
1: Cut to pretty easy.
0: Yeah. but And then another big aspect of that is, you know, people are always talking about a players. And I think that, especially in young organizations, startup uh, type organizations where they're like, you know, we need those, those go-getter people. Now, here's the problem that happens every time. You build a team of nothing but A players who would advance their career as fast as possible. You are going to blow your budget out of the water because uh-huh. all of them are going to want raises after two weeks, yep. after two months. Um, yep. And if you don't do that, they're going to go find someone who will. See you later. So instead of focusing on A players, the key to for me is focusing on an A team. Not every department, every role has to be that go-getter, take take the bull by the horns type person. Some roles, you just need that steady person who is good at their job, works hard, keeps their head down, you know, keeps a positive culture and environment in the workplace. So really focus on having an A team versus focusing on making sure everyone is an A player. And, yeah. and by A player, I really mean kind of the A personality. It's not that you know, you should always look for people who are good at their jobs. I don't mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. Wise, but, but I think most people are, when they think about a player, they think that a person out type, a personality, and that's what I'm trying to get people to avoid.
1: Horses for courses, isn't it? Now yeah. I, we talked a lot about, you know, um, being able to um, observe effectiveness in the workplace, but how do you actually measure it? How do you know when things are going from, you know, point A where you started to, do you have some sort of a scorecard to keep a track of how they're improving?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think sometimes organizations get caught up into a specific type of scorecard, um, you know, yeah. dashboards, et cetera. I, I, for me, what system you use is, is is a little irrelevant because what really matters is are, whatever your system you're using or not using a particular system, are you setting the KPIs, the key yeah. performance indicators? Are you setting your goals short-term and long-term? Are you Are you setting... The indicators that show is every person do what they need to do to reach those goals. And here's the key part that a lot of organizations miss. A lot of them may do that up front, but if you don't hold people accountable, it's all for nothing. And that is the piece that gets missed the most often is that if, if you're not holding people accountable, you just wasted all those hours, all that time to set all this up. So that's the key piece is you gotta set your set your goals set your, your, your key performance indicators, but then at the end of the day, hold people accountable and make sure they're reaching those goals and those indicators.
1: Great feedback. Once again, I wonder, you know, you, you often hear the analogy that a ship without a rudder is uh, going nowhere in particular. I wonder how important it is for you to work directly with the leaders of the organization to make sure you're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that's vitally important. And, and, you know, I am a big, big believer in, in open and honest, transparent communication. Uh, I'm not that that old school leader who, you know, this is what I say. And so go out and do it do it. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm a big believer that for an organization to truly function as well as it can and should, um, the the leaders really have to showcase and and, and communicate the vision for the organization. We talked about, you know, keep forwards, indicators and goals, which are a little more short term. But I think a, a, a big thing that is also missed is talking about the vision. Where do I want this company or organization to go for the future? And if you can communicate that to your staff, you know while they're setting their goals and, and working through the work, workflow, they can keep their eye of like, look, you know, I just realized that although we're trying to reach here right now, yep. our ultimate goal is here. So if, if, if they know that, they need to find some ways to to fine-tune what they're doing, switch what they're doing, so they can leap over that initial goal and get far closer to that end goal, that vision goal, if you will. So I really think it's important that you know, communication is very open and honest about about where we're going, what we want to do, what kind of culture we're trying to build here. Because if, if you don't communicate, um, you know the type of culture that you want to have. One will form regardless. Um, yep. the really one you don't want. So, so kind of back to your question here is yes. I mean, it's vitally important that when I'm working with an organization that I have some communication with with the CEO or, or the top executives. Even if my 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 person is is maybe in the middle, uh, it, it's vitally important that they're aware of what we're working on and, and and what my strategy is and 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 me understanding you know where they want to go
1: these conversations never fail to impress me and leave me thinking, what can I do better in my organization? I'm looking forward to sharing how people can work with you in a moment. But I often ask this question for people who give speaking and you know, do keynotes. How does it make you feel getting up in front of a, an, an audience and giving a, a talk? Do you do you thrive in that environment?
0: Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely great. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, the last, last year, I've really been focusing on this, this reposition my business. But once that's up and running. I really want to to spend some more time um, speaking more and, and, and doing more business conferences. But it's 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 great to be able to you know take take a, the knowledge that I, I've gathered over over my you know 17 year career um, and, and boil that down to you know sometimes it's you know it's a 45 minute talk sometimes it's a two and a half hour training. Uh, but it really, it's really exciting to to take all of that taking what I do, repackaging it for the audience and really being able to provide some value value to them that they can take home and really um, change their organizations and advance their careers.
1: As we move into the pointy end of the call, John, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, three different areas of your business. First of all, BizOps Masters. What's that about?
0: So that, that's the uh, the coaching mastermind uh, that I mentioned oh, right. earlier. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's it's really got a couple of components. It, it's going to follow um, a typical... Uh, you know, coaching, group coaching mastermind program where it's weekly Zoom calls, topical and all the internal operational topics. We're going to bring in guest speakers, um, you know, accountants, lawyers, insurance brokers, those subject matter experts that can really go, you know, a little more in depth with each of these topics. And then what's really going to separate us from, from other masterminds. And and this is something I'm not really aware of of anything, uh, other masterminds that are doing this, but we're gonna have office hours that that really is gonna allow uh, the members of uh, the mastermind to to call in and ask questions. So much operational time is wasted by trial and error um, in research. So if you yep. can, if you have you know uh, you know myself who's you know experienced COO and VP of operations consultant, as well as my staff who are, are experienced in accounting and HR, if you can instead of spending hours researching, you can just you know schedule a time with us for 15 minutes saying, hey, we decided we got to change payroll companies. What's your thoughts? Yeah, and I can is. I can I can spit off you know five to 10 payroll companies I have direct experience with pros and cons can lay that yeah. out for you and say, look, I would focus on, you know, depending on what, what your your issues are, I would focus on these areas. So I, I think that's going to be a, a huge part of, of value of the mastermind. And we're, we're launching our next cohort uh, this January.
1: Great. Now on to startups. That's another arm of the business. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So uh, what, I was, what I was talking earlier about uh, launching operations, that's what that piece is. And I want right. startups. raise startups. Uh, so, so literally the, the, when I first started consulting, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I had a former boss that came to me and said, Hey, I'm actually starting a for-profit and a nonprofit. Uh, and we need you to do what you did at, with us, you know, as VP of operations and launch yep. all these aspects. And so, um, you know, one of them really was came to me and said, we've incorporated in Delaware. We are about to get some funding from, from investors. We need to show them a real co- We're a real company. So we need to get all this set up now. Um, and we set up their banking, their EIN, uh, their benefits and payroll—all of these things—within 30 days. Um, it was the fastest I would ever done it because they were motivated in getting it done. So we really can just, you know, if you're if you're a startup that that's just incorporated or you're maybe an overseas and you want to create a, a U.S. subsidiary, you say, "Hey, John, this is what we need. We can do all that." If you're already functioning and there's a parts of those pieces that uh, you just want to change, we can jump in and do that as well.
1: You know what, I I always ask this, I wonder, how does it make you feel when you see um, businesses that you work with in a transformational phase, and you know, there's smiles on people's faces, and they're getting the results? How does that make you feel?
0: Uh, Great. Um, And and, and it really, I I, I joked around earlier about uh, consulting, but it really kind of fits my personality, because I am very much a creation, change type oriented person versus ongoing maintenance. Uh, yeah. When it comes to ongoing maintenance, I tend to get bored. I don't want to do the same things over and over again. So, so be able to to play this role um, of creating uh, these organizations and in adding value and, and seeing them take off. And of course, working in the startup world, um, some of my clients take off, some don't. Uh, but it, it's 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 an important part of of the entrepreneurial process and 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 startup process. So it really. I couldn't be more excited and happy with, with what I do and, and seeing the impact I have in these organizations and the people that I work with.
1: Well, I can tell that because you light up. As soon as yeah. I asked you that question, you certainly yeah. didn't. There's yeah. lots of entrepreneurs and existing business owners who are listening into this call today. I'm pretty sure and certain of that, John. They'll be re- wanting to reach out to you. So it leads me to my next question. What's the process to find you and, and work with you? What Do you have an onboarding process?
0: Yeah, so uh, the best thing to do is reach out to us through the website, uh, www dot think dash lateral dot com uh, and from there you there, there our email is on there uh, there's a contact form on there obviously we have a variety of different um, products and services that we offer so the, the first thing to do is reach out let us know you know what it is that that you're looking for and it's absolutely okay to look reach out to us and say we know we need something but we don't know what it is that is yes. seriously 60 to 75 percent of my calls start that way so we we do an onboarding we do an initial call with you understand the needs of your organization explain in more detail what we do what pricing pricing is like um for initial call and then from there if we need to do a deeper dive where we tackle a little bit of your operational problems again this is this all free this all free consult at the beginning um you know we can kind of begin to understand your organization a little bit more and say like this is the direction you need to go here's our proposal for that
1: well, there you go. Anybody who's listening to this call today, that website is think-lateral.com. I'll make it easy for you. There'll be a link below this call no matter where you see it. You'll be able to just click, click through to John and his wonderful team and actually go just check out the website. I know there's a, a great deal of uh, um, excellent information awaiting you there. And with that all being said, John, great call. Thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today.
0: Thank you for having me.